Welcome back to the Monsters of Sox podcast. We talk about the Boston Red Sox. Dan's audio never works. Brian's headphones are broken, much like the Red Sox after their trip west, which started so well and ended so poorly. Dan, how how are you? I am fine. For catching the re- strays, catching strays. My audio, my audio always works when we're recording. It's well, just course. in the two to three minutes when we first log on yeah. that for a different reason every single week, I can't say anything. I'm not talking about the game. I'm talking about practice. <laughs> talking about practice. Um, I am good, though. Um, today, but, so we're recording this on Thursday, but people are listening to this on Friday. Um, quick callback to one of our previous episodes when we discussed the problems with the traditional Gregorian calendar and we created a new calendar of seasonality um, that, that better optimizes and better reflects the way we live. So do you know what today is, Brian? The day we patented the idea and make loads of money. Well, no, okay, we could do that. I don't know how much money there is in having your own <laughs> seasonal calendar, but no. But what it is, is the this... Friday... It's the Friday of Memorial Day weekend. It's the first day of summer. That's correct. According to that calendar. Uh, no, um, no, 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 no. It, it's the first day of summer. Don't even, don't okay. dignify the, the old calendar with the response. Uh, that's fine with me. If we want to just go with what we got. Now, I do have one question about this, though. I have one thought. I think we should do it like a Jewish holiday. And summer shouldn't actually start until like five o'clock today. So you, you wake up in spring and then you go out, you do your business. And then Friday weekend, happy hour hits. And that's when summer starts. What do you think? That's, uh, you know, every, every thing, you know, it's, it's like a Jewish holiday or it's like um, when they release a big movie at, Five on Thursday, the day before the Friday. Mm. Remember, I saw right. one of the bad Star Wars movies at five o'clock, the first showing. I know that doesn't really narrow it down, but it was one of them. We discussed this before, right? How I've only seen one Star Wars movie. So. Yeah, but you've seen the one that matters. So that's, yeah. I believe that I was okay with that. So I am all for this. I mean, it, it starts the second you pick up that beer or lemonade yes you know that's when it's tonic. yeah yeah there you go um how are things with you otherwise besides wonderful because summer starts in a couple hours well i am not gonna get into it on this podcast because we're gonna talk about the red sox but the red sox losing streak pretty much matches my general outlook these days <laughs> so 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 i'm in tune with that um yeah, I noticed you're wearing a button-down shirt today, which is different. So I didn't know if there's something something special about today going on. But we can literally, that as you said this, a spider <laughs> descended from my ceiling onto my light, just just totally, totally blatantly invading my space. I have a I have a job interview immediately following this podcast. So oh, okay. Do we have do we have a hard do we have a hard cutoff here? I was one that rambling it, today. It's we got ninety minutes. We'll make it. Okay. All right. Well, then I. All right. I gotta get going then because I think I could potentially talk about what I'm about to talk about for ninety minutes. I won't do that. Um, but don't, I, I don't make promises you can't keep. <laughs> that's true. 
I wanted to bring something up with you because I, I was watching the Red Sox game two nights ago. And I think I may have changed the way I perceive baseball and the way the wider world can perceive baseball forever. Um, or I possibly have done nothing at all. Uh, <laughs> and haven't noticed anything that other people haven't noticed. Um, so I initially was going to bring up something to you uh, in the format of a, of a I, I would call this a reoccurring segment, but we've only done it once. Um, a segment called Profound or Completely Obvious that we did once before, um, where I presented to you an idea that I came up with that I initially thought was profound. And then moments later was like, wait, is it completely obvious? To be perfectly honest with you, a better name for this segment would be things Dan thought of while watching the Red Sox late at night, while the family was asleep, while he was very tired and possibly a little high and thought it was a really brilliant idea in the moment. And then the next day, I wonder if it was completely stupid. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you something later on that under similar circumstances, I thought of that has nothing to do with the Red Sox. And I might be giving this away for free, but uh, it was a story pitch idea. But you go first. Ooh, okay. Mine's not a story pitch idea. That's good to know. I, for a brief second there, I contemplated what if we did, had the exact same thought. It's um, not is... the same thought. <laughs> okay. Unless you've gotten really steeped in the Zelda lore in the last two weeks. <laughs> I have not at all. All right. So let me set the scene for you. I'm watching uh, the Angels game. It um, was the... Uh, was the Hulk start? Let's see. No, it wasn't the Hulk start. That was the first one. It was the Bayo start. And Tristan Costas is up. <clears throat> and Tristan Costas gets in a small hole to start the at-bat. Fouls, you know, I don't know, three or four pitches off. Works, takes some balls, takes some pitches, eventually works a walk. Right? And so, like... Let me. I've just set that up for you. Now you can predict. Tell me. Tell me the first thing that Will Middlebrook said when Tristan Casas had an at bat where he took a bunch of pitches and fouled a bunch of pitches off and then took a walk. That's what were the great, first words out of it? That's a great piece of hitting or something like that. Great at bat, exactly. Great at bat. Yeah. Great at bat. And Dave O'Brien chimed in to say, "Wonderful at bat. Wonderful at bat." It's like um, it's just like we were saying, like the. Uh, Hit it the other way. Hit the oh, other way. Look yeah. at that. Yeah. Wow, it works. Um, so I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about what a cliche it is. How, you know, in, 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 we always say, look, it, that, that's, a, that's a textbook definition of a great at bat. A guy fouls a bunch of pitches off and walks. But that's kind of the only time in the game that the announcers will say that. Or that the fans will even say that. And, you know, you might see... Later on, you, you might read a piece about, say, someone like Tristan Casas who's struggling, but it, it seems like he's coming around. You might read a writer say that, uh, oh, he's starting to put together competitive at-bats. The at-bats have looked good. Um, but we don't actually discuss what makes a good at-bat or what makes a competitive at-bat, except for those instances where I said, like, in the moment of the game when a guy ends up fouling a bunch of pitches off and then walking. Great at-bat, great at-bat. So I decided there in the moment that I was going to try, I was going to start watching this game differently. And I was going to watch the game purely through the lens. I was going to watch every single at bat. And I was going to decide as I was watching, 
whether it was a great at bat, a bad at bat, or just like a good or neutral at bat. And I really wanted to figure out like, what does a great at bat mean? Because it can't just be fouling a bunch of pitches off and getting a walk. That's dumb. Like home runs should be like, there should be a context where if you jump on a first pitch and you hit a home run because you had a really good inclination of, of what the pitch was going to be like, theoretically that should be a great at bat, but we don't use that term to discuss that. So I then proceeded to watch the game just like that. And like I said, I was sort of considering all sorts of things, like watching the hitters, watching what they're doing, and just deciding the moment, not even necessarily caring about the results. And I wasn't even thinking about the broader game. I was just going from at bat to bat. And I got to tell you, I loved, loved, loved watching the game that way. I really, really did. It sort of, it, it, it opened up the game to me in a different way. And I started thinking about more. And I, you know, I, initially I said to myself, you know, is there a way to quantify this? Can you, can you actually, should you make a stat that's like, this is a great at bat. And a great at bat means you own, you know, you don't swing at any pitches that are X inches outside the strike zone or yada, yada, yada. And then I said, no, I actually don't want to do that. I think it's more fun and interesting if it's totally a judgment call. Right, Because we quantify everything in baseball as it is. And I also want to leave room to call something a great at bat. It, you know, if, like if a hitter comes up and the first two pitches are outside sliders and they're balls, but he swings at them anyway. And then the third pitch, the pitcher goes right back to that pitch and he lays off it. And then maybe the next pitch, he forces the pitcher to come inside the zone and he hits it hard. Maybe he doesn't even get a single. Maybe it goes into the second baseman's glove or something, but like he adjusted in the moment. Is that, a, is that a great at bat? Is that a good at bat? Is that a bad at bat because he's swinging the first two pitches? It's really interesting to me. And so what I think Major League Baseball should do is I think there should be an aesthetic judge every game, just like there's an official scorekeeper. And it should be the judge's job, just like in figure skating or gymnastics, to go and score every at bat and maybe give it a star system maybe it's a one through ten like like gymnastics or something although gymnastics doesn't do it like that anymore um and then it's something that we can all then watch and discuss and debate in a different way that we're not used to talking about like we don't talk about baseball necessarily in these sort of unquantifiable ways of of like, what is it? What is a hitter really trying to do? And does he do it? And how is he? And it's like it, each at bat we think about is, is improvisational in a way that the rest of the game really isn't because he's reacting to what's in front of him. He's guessing what's coming next. And then I was also further thinking about how a couple of weeks ago we started this pod with the discussion of that Wander Franco play where he spun the ball in the air. And, and, you know, I, I joked, I said, like, I was trying to think of a way we could structurally change baseball to reward fielders doing that more often. And, and we couldn't, you know, there's no real way to make like an actual competitive advantage thing in the field. But again, if there was the aesthetic judge there and, and his job is not, his job isn't necessarily to say like, which team is winning, which team is losing, which team is 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 maximizing their play in the field. His job is just to say, like, which players are sort of playing, are getting the most out of baseball as a human endeavor, I guess is what I'm going with. 
which again is something we don't, that's, that's a concept that we don't really apply to baseball. I think we do kind of apply it to like soccer and basketball a little bit. It's certainly applied to soccer where like amongst soccer aficionados, there is kind of this undercurrent of the idea that there actually is like a perfect way to play the game and that it's, it's noble to try and pursue that perfection, even if it means you're giving yourself a competitive disadvantage. Um, and we don't really view baseball that way, but I think we should. And I think I figured out how to do it. So your thoughts on the aesthetic judge who will judge every at bat, not quantifiably, but qualitatively, and who will also judge the fielders. So this is interesting because before you made the point that it was purely aesthetic, I think implying that the rest of it is sort of baked into the results. I was going to say, congratulations, you've invented pro football focus. And what they do, and I assume you don't know this. I do not. They have a whole bunch of people, lots of people who score every player, every play, every game on what, whether they are doing what they are supposed to be doing and how well they are doing it. The reason they do this, and it's especially important in football where there are bunch of positions where you don't get any stats if or not many right right and but what it really does and where it becomes helpful from an analytical perspective is very good example where last year the second overall pick aiden hutchinson got three sacks in a game and everyone was like this is it aiden hutchinson has arrived the flip side of that is that when they went and graded the tape they saw that it was the blocks were terrible he didn't actually do much and they grade every play on the sum total of what they think the skill of the player added to the play and yeah. whether he was just in the right place at the right time. This is not what you're saying. Yeah, but it's that... talking about it, watching everything that's happening at yeah. a given time and adding a grade to it that is subjective, ultimately. Yeah, that that what you just described almost sounds to me like a combination of my idea and Savant, right? Because Savant is trying to tell us whether the underlying performance is good or not, regardless of the actual result. Right. But it is still based on output. And what you are saying is that there's something and measurable things. It's like Savant is based on extremely measurable metrics. Right. And I'm going the opposite way. I want well, this to be based on the time. Can we just have a quick context. sidebar here? What's your take on Savant? Because I saw people poo-pooing it, whereas I thought it's really cool. Nothing I think is going to tell you everything you need to know. So if it well, doesn't, what, yeah. How are the people? How are the people poo-pooing it? People, uh, you know what it was? It was that Luis Arise had one percent in one of the categories that was regularly associated with mm -hmm. being a quality. It might have been exit velocity. I don't remember. Yeah. And I mean, so, I love it. 
I yeah. love it. I, I do. I, I do think like, as somebody who now writes about baseball every day and now reads other people's writing about baseball every day, I am starting to, I'm starting to get annoyed from a writing standpoint about how much we all lean on it. And I include myself in this as well. Well, it's pretty. Um, it, the, it's, the problem it's, it's is pretty. it's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty. And 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 look, and I'm not I, I'm not calling anyone out here because I'm doing this just as much as anyone else. But like I, you know, so when you say that, some... that means you are calling somebody out. We all know it. <laughs> I'm calling, but I'm calling our collective behavior out. Um, like it's so easy to just to take some some screenshots off that page and throw it in your piece and say, well, you know. What does this mean? What does this mean? What does if that I mean? If I ever wrote anything, I would do that. That is true. Yes. Well, hey, you wrote a you wrote a wonderful piece about Zelda last week, Brian. Don't, don't tell you don't Do you remember when I said what I'm doing right after this? We've been a little bit <laughs> preoccupied. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I do wonder if we're all leaning on it too much in a similar way that like I now and again I do this too, but I definitely think we lean on war way too much. Um, and just to, the most egregious example of leaning on war too much for me was last year after the trade deadline, um, when people were talking about like the Christian Vasquez trade and, you know, you, you can think what you want about the Christian Vasquez trade. Emmanuel Valdez is certainly making it look, look good right now. Um, but I saw people who, who just like added up Eric Cosner's war, Therese McGuire's war. And then subtracted Christian Vasquez's war. And they were like, that's it. That's done. That's all the analysis we need to do. That's not all the analysis you need to do at all. War is not meant to be a blunt hammer. Well, actually, that the problem is it is a blunt hammer. But it's certainly not meant to be used in small sample sizes like that. You can't completely strip away team context the way that war does. I have a real problem, actually, with war's positional uh, adjustments. But we don't need to get into that. But that's more about a, a conceptual way how the stat is conceived. Um, so I don't like I don't I hate when I see war uses such a blunt instrument. Um, and savant, you know, is not necessarily being used as a blunt instrument, but it is now sort of being leaned on in a similar way. Is that's just sort of kind of the only thing people are looking at these days, right? And I think that's the like the main difference is it's pretty. And uh, the funny thing about everything you said is that a lot everything. Uh, applies to war as well <laughs> like right. oh war is a blunt instrument instrument yep i saw our defense budget nobody's arguing about the debt ceiling over the defense <laughs> budget yeah there you go and i wonder what war- politics <laughs> would war would war the stat be as successful as it is if it wasn't such a punny abbreviation it's really because everything flows off it right like there's like yeah very complicated versions of pluses and B and F. I mean, frankly, to be honest, what is the difference between war and what preceded it, which was warp? (laughs) Remember wins over replacement player? Like that's the one that we started to use. That's like like, when Kentucky Fried Chicken became KFC. They're like, let's rebrand it. Like, is there actually a difference between that? There's also VORP. Remember, VORP was value over replacement player. Like, I think these stats were all the same thing. They just rebranded as war, and that's when it took off. Yeah, and it's the degree to which us 
20, 25 years ago, just learning about this stuff, hearing it mentioned so often and casually on broadcast would blow our mind. I mean, there's always going to be yeah. the retrograde, but they're pretty much cycled out. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, Smoltz. Somebody asked me what Ted Williams' war was last night. Somebody, oh, so World that War was a good, in Korean. That was a good, a good idea for a story that I was thinking of writing. Huh? That somebody was making the argument. They, it would have been a patsy to set this one up, to tee it up. It's like Ted Williams couldn't play now. It's like, come on, bro. Mm -hmm. let's, let's not say things we can't take back. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, that is that is funny about, I mean, I'm obviously we're referencing the, the Truppiano tweet that we discussed a couple of weeks ago. Like, Ted Williams' war is, is like in the top five of all time. <laughs> it doesn't show, he's a, everything, you know, for, so for people, for the old timers. The ir irony is, if he hadn't gone to war, <laughs> yeah, he would be universally, I think, regarded as the best hitter ever. Yeah, I think. absolutely, absolutely. I, I yeah, I mean, and that's what's funny about these old people who are like, uh, you know, war doesn't tell me how good Ted Williams is. Well, it it does <laughs> actually. Like, it gets it right. It really, really, really does. And it so matches what, what everybody says. There's no, there's no mystery about it. It's not like it goes. It cuts right. against the grain, which was always yeah. the funny thing. It's about not like Joe war Morgan. is telling us. Well, it's like Joe Morgan hated these stats, and oh, Bill yeah. James was always that like, "That showed he was a way better player than yes! he thought he was." <laughs> what? Yeah. It's like, like I'll give you some credit for sticking to your guns because this thing makes you look amazing. It really, really does. Yeah, and he didn't even trust it because he was like, "Well, I didn't get all those RBIs." You know, so, all right, why um, do you by with the that way? Savant question. That's good, yeah. He was 14th all time in WAR. Um, but if you take hitters away, Walter Johnson, Cy Young, Roger Clemens, uh, there's only three hitters ahead of him. So 11th all time, I guess. Um, but yes, Are those yeah, three hitters, I mean, one is Barry Bonds? No, no, no. Sorry. He, so he's 11th in hitters. There were three pitchers ahead of him. Oh, oh okay, okay. You want to you do a quick quick let's guessing game? Let's, let's, let's go right. for it. Obviously, you know who number one is. Babe Ruth. Correct. Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds is the second hitter. He's the fourth all-time. Walter Johnson and Cy Young both have more career war than Barry Bonds. Big train. Big train. A-Rod? A-Rod is not in the top 10. A-Rod is number 16. Mm, interesting. Let me just play the hits here. Hank Aaron. <clears throat> Hank Aaron is in there. However, there are two hitters in between Barry Bonds and Hank Aaron. Mays? Mays is the next one, yep. All right. So I have, what, four of them? You have Ruth, Bonds, Mays. You don't know who comes next, but then you know Hank Aaron comes after this mystery guy. Who's not a mystery it's guy. It's not a mystery. I was going to say, none of this <laughs> yes. is going to be a mystery this is all no. just a test of. Mine. I do think I actually do think there is one. Actually, well, you know what? I think there's one you're definitely not going to get. I think or get anywhere close. Yeah. Is um, but this one, this one that's in Pujols? between Ma, uh, Maze and Aaron, you need to get. Pujols, Pujols is not. 
He is Bulls is behind A Rod. Bulls is 29th all time. That's really surprising. Uh, Musial. Well, I'm, I'm looking at the overall. I'm not looking at just offensive war. I'm looking at okay. overall war. M- so. Musial. Musial is on the list. He is 11th all times, three spots ahead of Teddy Ballgame. By the way, speaking of war, this I, let me get something off my chest right here. All the Cardinals fans listening, this has always bothered me. And I'm not going to blame. Stan why are you Musial listening? Personally. First of all, why are you listening? <laughs> yeah, just like to blame Stan Musial Mike, personally. If you take a look at Stan Musial's baseball reference, which you can pull up right now, you'll find something that I think is pretty interesting compared to um, his peers. And that is that Stan Musial played baseball in 1942, 1943, and 1944. And in fact, 1943 and 1944 were two of the best years of his career. A lot of his teammates and, and rivals were already were already overseas. <laughs> 1943 and 1944. Yeah, I'm, bump, I'm bumping Teddy up. Sorry, buddy. I, I think so, too. And, and, hey, look, I'm not blaming Sam Musil. I wouldn't be jumping first in the line to, to go score Normandy either. Um, but I've always thought that's interesting that, that you know, if we're going to we, – we, we do frequently give credit to Ted Williams for taking time off from baseball twice – you know, which he obviously did, and he, and he he never he didn't actually fight in World War II, but he certainly did in Korea. Um, you know, I just think in in terms of context, we should note that in 1944, Stan Musial was like far and away the best player in Major League Baseball, but he was also playing against like there was a pitcher with Pete Browning had one arm in either 44 or 1945, and was pitching for the St. Louis Browns. Um, you know, they were just like picking up. They were picking up all sorts of, of Bush League players who, for one reason or another, weren't healthy enough to be in the military in order to fill out Major League rosters. Um, so just, you know, little asterisk on Stan Musil's career there. That's that's my opinion. Sorry, Continue. Uh, Ty Cobb. <laughs> Ty Cobb is the one that you're missing in between Willie Mays and Hank Aaron. What about Al Kaline? Al Kaline, not. Anywhere near the top. Okay, he okay. is forty. I was just, I was stuck on the Tigers, so I, so I got yeah. that. What about like Hunnis Wagner? Hunnis Wagner, there you go. He's number ten all time, so he's just ahead of of uh, Sam Musial. So there is one hitter is in between. Rose, is Pete, Pete Rose is not on it, right? No, no, he's no, he's not. He's nowhere. He doesn't have nearly There's, enough power. Yeah, there is one hitter who is in between. Hank Aaron and Stan Musial. And this guy, I think, has always had a case of, of being um, one of the most underrated players of all time. Ricky. And not Ricky. Uh, where is Ricky, though? He must be super high up on the list. Ricky's 19. Um, Ricky's the best. And I'll just go, I'll just go ahead and say go this. Go for it. Go for it. He's one of the most underrated Red Sox players of all time. Well, first of all, is Joe DiMaggio one of the guys? No. Joe DiMaggio is not. He, uh, so. a, what about Mantle? Yeah, relatively short. Mantle's career. an easy. I don't think so, right? Not Mantle's twenty first. Yeah, I didn't play long enough. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Fox. Jimmy Fox is not Jimmy Fox. No. Is Jimmy Jimmy Fox isn't on that list? The top ten? No, Jimmy Fox is. That's surprising. Forty first. Enos Slaughter. Not Enos Slaughter. No. I mean, I know Yaz, so it can't Who be. Who I'm related to, by the way. It's not Yaz. 
This is what I'm saying. This guy's it's kind of shocking when you when you look at, at this guy's career that he isn't mentioned with Ty Cobb and that we as Red Sox fans don't think of him at all. Go for it. Tell me. Chris Speaker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Chris Speaker's career was ridiculous. He slashed for his career, a 22 year career, 345, 428, 500. He led the league in home runs in 1912. He only had 10, but it led the league. Um, he did have a slash triple crown in 1916. When he led the league in batting average on base and slugging. He led the league in doubles one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. Led the league in hits twice. Led the league in RBIs once. And, and you know, was regarded as one of the greatest defensive center of the all time. All right, round me out with the top 10. My brain doesn't work as well as it used to. All right, so you already said Babe Ruth, Mary Bonds, Willie Mays, Ty Cobb, Hank Aaron, Trish Speaker, and Hannes Wagner, and Stan Musial. The only two hitters left in between Musial and Ted Williams, Rogers Hornsby and Eddie Collins. I would have not gotten Eddie Collins in a million years. Yeah, that's that's the other one I thought of. And I forget, you know, we know about all these players from the dead ball (laughs) in the earlier eras, and it's hard to remember, like, Trish Speaker, like, who had all the stats and who was just really good? Like Rogers Hornsby. It's just like, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, so to round this out. So the only thing that's standing between my uh, idea of having an aesthetic judge in baseball and, and that concept sweeping the nation is we just need a good acronym for it. That seems to be the case, right? I would say there might be a couple more problems, but that that is a you problem. <laughs> what other what other possible problems are there with this That's idea? That's what we that I do. With... What you're saying <laughs> is what we do anyway. Like how do we talk okay, about this is, stuff for yes, so long? Is, There's all these results. My... That's all we do. Yeah, I know. That was my thought the next day. It was like, isn't that just how we're supposed to watch the game anyway? <laughs> like, what was I actually doing differently in the moment? In the moment, it felt revolutionary what I was right. doing. And then the next day I was like, wait a minute, what was I doing? I don't know. This is a very common thing that happens uh, upon the ingestion of THC. I'll tell you my idea for a story. <laughs> uh, it, it's who has Link fucked between the previous game and this game? Because there are people, the first thing you do in Breath of the Wild you say you are discussing this on the wrong pod. I don't know the answer I to this. The pod of Lance, those guys said we're going to do a pod. I'll I'll go through yeah. all of it with them. They'll love that. You're, he's holding yes, a bat. He doesn't want to hear anything more about your game. That's true. Or or um, if you're in familiar with the game, he wants to put something on that bat to make it stronger. Let me. You want to? I'm going to show you this bat actually because I just I just pulled this out of the basement. Um, can you see what? Can you see what this says? Billy Ripken. Billy Ripken. So there's a story. I'm gonna. I'll briefly. Give that you doesn't we'll say. It doesn't say fuckface. It says best. Of it work. does not say fuckface. It does not say fuckface. That's number three hundred. No. So real quick, we'll get to the Red Sox, but I'll I'll tell you eh, the story as well. Eh. Uh, so this is a this is a bat I got when I was, I think I was eleven years old. Um, I want to say, 1996. I was visiting my grandparents, who at the time lived in uh, the D.C. area. And my grandparents don't really know anything about baseball, but they knew that I was an 11-year-old who was obsessed with baseball, and the Red Sox were playing the Orioles at the time that I was down there that week. 
So <clears throat> my grandmother had a friend who was like super high connected with the Orioles. So she calls him up. She's like, Hey, you know, we're, we're thinking of going to game. Can you, can you get his tickets? He's like, yeah, sure. I'll set you up for sure. So we get there, we drive to the Canyon Yards, my first time at Canyon Yards. And we go to the will call office where the, the tickets have been left for us. And we pick up the tickets and they're nice. They're not like luxury box tickets, but they're sort of like club seats in the behind the plate, but um, in the second tier behind the plate. So we get the tickets and they're like, oh, so-and-so, whoever this guy was, has also arranged for you to have like a little pregame tour thing. So we're like, that's amazing. And, you know, they're going to bring up this, this woman from fan relations is going to come out. She's going to take me on the field during BP. I'm going to get to like walk around the warning track and sit in the dugout, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, that's wonderful. So we're waiting for her to come out and I'm 11 years old. I'm a Red Sox fan. I'm, I'm covered head to toe. I'm wearing a Sox hat. I'm wearing like a Sox windbreaker. I got like a Sox shirt on. I got the whole thing going on, obviously. My grandmother's like, well, we can't like we can't embarrass my friend here, but like the Orioles are being so nice to us, you know, we, we can't do this. And so, and I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. That is kind of rude. My grandfather goes back to the car and pulls out of the trunk, like one of my grandmother's old shirts that's just lying in the trunk. And it probably, probably had the logo of like the Rochester, New York United auto workers on it or something like that. It's three times too big for 11 year old me. And I wear that. So I put on this old sweatshirt and I take my socks hat and I just like stick it in my stomach underneath my sweatshirt and I go onto the field and they're super nice. This woman from fan relations, she just like gives me a, a Cal Ripken autographed baseball because I think that probably have like 5,000 of them in Camden Darts, just giving them out to everyone who, who wants one. We walk in the warning track, we go in the Orioles dugout and Billy Ripken is sitting there. And he's the only he's the only guy in the dugout. There's like no one else there. He's just sitting there. And uh, so she takes me up to him. Billy, this is Dan, a young fan, and he's super nice. Hey, hey, Dan, what position do you play? Oh, catcher, cool, great, great, great. He's super nice. Um, gives me the bat, signs the bat, and everything. And so I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there in the dugout talking to Billy Ripke. Now the whole time this is happening, the Red Sox are taking BP <laughs> right in front of me. And this is, and it's not, and you know how they take BP in groups. Like, this is the A group. And this is Movon, John Valentin, and Jose Canseco. This is the Jose Canseco season. Are, like, hitting right in front of me. And I have to sit there and pretend I care about what Billy Ripken is asking me questions. I have to pretend I'm an Orioles fan. Wearing this, wearing my grandmother's old giant sweatshirt. And I can't, and it's just like killing me. It's like, all I want to do is just like walk over to the, to the BP cage and just talk to John Valentin. And I can't do it. And of course, I just have to sit there listening to Billy Ripken ask me about my little league team. You know, which is, I guess, a, I guess a nice story, but it is not what I wanted to be doing in the moment at all. But I still do have the bat. Um, later, I'm looking. I'm looking right already. now. If if you want a fuckface card, hey, how much you're going to spend like a hundred bucks. Hundred bucks, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It looks like at least a hundred, and then depending on how great, how highly graded you want it, it can go up from there to like five hundred. Yeah. I thought, like, if I wrote fuckface on this bat somewhere, obviously, 
I, I couldn't get to match the actual fuckface bat. But if I wrote it on there somewhere... Have you ever heard of sandpaper? But that would be too obvious. I'm saying, like, how could they... Like, if it was you're, sanded You're down, like me. You overthink these app. things. To, like, if, if you showed me that bat and it said fuckface, I'd be like, oh, my God. Even if, like, did you write that yourself? Yeah, I'd be like, that's awesome. <laughs> no, it's got a three on it. I can't touch it. Yeah. No, I yeah. get it. Though. No, that's, I mean they would figure it out. They, here's how they would figure it out. They because like the Louisville Slugger has like, model numbers on uh, it. Because stuff. you wouldn't have the bat that said "fuckface" on it. I think. Well, that's I don't think anyone it. knows where it is. Does anyone know? Is it is that in Cooperstown? Is this that is that like when a kid in seventh grade brought in what he said was one of the real Hannes Wagner cards? Does anyone like, even know it. what He's we're like, talking this is the about? Real. By the way, <laughs> for the for, for people who have come around for this okay. and don't know what they're talking about, there is a famous baseball card of Billy Ripken. And and on the knob of the bat is written "fuckface." Very clearly uh, legible. Very right side yes. up. They just yes. saw there's whoever. No, there's nothing it. else you could say. It was eighty nine uh, Fleer, I believe, or is it eighty nine or eighty Fleer? Yeah, eighty nine. So there's my Billy Ripken story. That's uh, the reason I, I I almost stopped you, but then I forgot that we are not the same age because you said, "Oh, I was like seven or eight, went to Camden Yards." I, I was going to say that Camden Yards wasn't open when we were seven or no. eight. It's like, oh, I was, I was eleven. I was eleven. I think I, I, think I went to Memorial Stadium a bunch. It was the first stadium I ever went to. I saw um, Nick Asaski hit his thirtieth home run there in '88. I think is that how that guy's last name is pronounced? Yes. See, I've never known that. You've just read it, whereas I live. I've it. just read it. Yeah. yeah. I thought right, that was. I was so. I mean, he was a rookie. I think. Yeah. Really didn't work um, out. Should we talk? Speaking of things that aren't working out, should we talk about the Red Sox? We are thirty-seven minutes into the pod. Oh, I thought you were going to say, should we talk about how angry you are? But yeah, I think these are the same thing. Well, I think we can. Let's 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 take a look at what's happened the last week in Red Sox baseball and find out how angry it has made Brian Joyner. Um, for people listening the first time, this is a little thing we like to do. Um, we talk about what the Red Sox have, have done. Brian Joyner gives it a, gra- a grade based on his anger. If it's a positive number, it means he's angry. If it's a negative number, it means he's happy. Because that makes perfect sense. We're pretty neutral in the season right now, um, thanks to Dave. Over you were you were it's been a fun happy. season. It's been a fun yes. season. You were extremely happy because the Yankees were extremely injured, and Brian Cashman made a really dumb remark about how they don't have a the equivalent of a G League to pull up players. That made you extremely happy. But then last week you were extremely mad about Dave O'Brien's Vince Scully impression. So those those are the two biggest swings we've had this season. So you're generally if anything, I was too easy on Dave O'Brien. I think you probably were. <laughs> so let's find out. So last time we spoke, the Red Sox took two of three from the San Diego Padres. You and I, I think, both predicted that they were going to go one and two that series. Um, I will briefly say, I, I my prediction of one thing that was going to happen, I said Xander was only going to get two hits that series. He got zero hits that series. Xander got zero hits against the Red Sox. Um, brief aside, I don't want to go into this because we discuss it all the time. I saw a couple of Red Sox fans on Twitter who were, like, really happy that Xander went hitless. Why? What kind Why? of way is that to go through your life? Like, even if you, even if you didn't want the Red Sox to re-sign Xander Bogarts, which is a perfectly legitimate stance to take for all sorts of baseball reasons, like the guy has done nothing 
for you personally, but bring you happiness and, and good vibes and memories. Like, just don't, don't, don't live your life now. And, and the only reason that these people were happy about it was because, again, they, because of the ongoing Illuminati versus depressed Twitter war. That's, you know, that, that's the only, and they're just happy that the other side didn't get to shove it Xander in their face. Just don't, don't live your life like an angry. The hundred, the hundred years war of the Red Sox. Yeah. So, yeah. So moving on. So the Sox won the first two games of that series, lost the third series in the Michael Walker versus Corey Kluber, um, the Spider-Man meme start. And then Brian were swept by the LA Angels. Not only swept, but the bats were just completely, completely shut down by a not very vaunted Angels pitching staff. Didn't even face Shohei. Didn't even face Pablo Sandoval. Um, so now trending back to 500. So let's find out how angry you are about this. Let's start with this. We'll start with, we'll start with a good one. Even though the Red Sox did not get the win, Tanner Houck was finally, finally, absolutely nails in a start, including going late into the game. He pitched six innings, could have pitched more. He only he threw less than 100 pitches, but it was very clear that the Red Sox just wanted to get him out of there so he could finally say, hey, look at me, I can pitch in the fifth and sixth inning before something bad happened in the seventh. So Houck nailed down his rotation spot. As a result of that start, Corey Kluber is not going to be given one more start in the rotation. And for the first time in the calendar year of 2023, I'm not saying the season, because if you think about spring training, we didn't know this then. For the first time in all of 2023, we actually now have a five-man rotation. So the rotation for the time being is going to be Chris Sale, James Paxton, Brian Bayo, Garrett Whitlock, who comes back this weekend, and then Tanner Houck. Um, like I said, we started spring training not knowing who was going to be in the rotation. And then we started last happened. week not knowing who was going to be in the rotation. Week. So how do you feel about that? How angry are you about the fact that Tanner Houck was nails and the Red Sox now for the first time all year have a pitching rotation? Well, I'm a nine at anger because you said less than six innings instead of fewer than six innings. So, ah, sorry so about you that. really biffed that one. Yeah, I did. Anyone who's right. read Infinite Jest <clears throat> twice, <clears throat> like I have. Oh, twice. Wow. Can't, you know, that that was a brag like 10 years ago, but now liking yeah, Infinite exactly. Jest makes you a tool. So. Yeah, I know it's coming back, man. It's coming back. I've uh, only read it once, and it took me a long time, but I do appreciate it. Anyhow, I am pleased. So I am negative... Seven. Negative seven about the pay. Is that now is that Tanner Houck or is that Corey Kluber going to the bullpen? What what's I think it's what's, a combination of both, but more Kluber to the bullpen. More Kluber to the bullpen, yeah. I, I still don't think we can expect Tanner. I don't think we can say Tanner Houck's figured anything out yet. Tanner Houck is gonna eat the innings that I thought Kluber was going to. That's what Tanner Houck's gonna do. Yeah. I don't need that. Yeah. Tanner Houck has has gone five at every start this year except for once. True. In, in one of those starts, though, he gave up six innings in the fifth and was allowed to finish the inning anyway. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. Hooray, you yeah, had five innings. Yeah, well, I mean, that that's – I mean, to me, frankly, that is a coaching problem. Right. If, if you're not – sure. 
pulled if you're great after five and I can the game was against the Blue Jays they still won seven to six but I I'm very pro Hauk I wrote a story about how he you are he's your second favorite player second favorite player so it's more I'm surprised that they didn't just let Kluber go and I, I wonder if that will happen down the road well, here's, I mean, that's a question a lot of people are asking. Um, but, I mean, the thing is, <laughs> Corey Cooper could be back in the rotation next week. Yes. Very, very easily. In fact, what would you even put the odds on that? Maybe not Kluber specifically. What, what, what odds would you give that one of Kluber, Pavetta, or even Cutter Crawford is in the rotation next week? Or say, oh, or say before, the, before the All-Star break? I Don't say in the rotation. Just say makes a start. I think that's what you mean, right? Sure. I'd say in the next week, I'd give it 33% odds. And if you bump it to two weeks, I'd give it like 50% odds. (laughs) And I think I'm being conservative. Yeah. You never know. We're we're kind of, I mean, we're due for a run of health here a little bit. That's never true. Not with Whitlock, Sale, and Paxton, that's for sure. Yeah. But we shall see. Yeah. I would um, love, I, I, I'm really, really, really curious about what Whitlock is going to be because that's who they need to be a, you know, we were talking about negative visualization. We we're talking about all this stuff before. And I think you said who would have to be good for the Red Sox to be reaching their peaks. And I think Whitlock is one of those guys. I, th- I think so too. The starting rotation is still, you know, I think it was, unfortunately, I think it was Kurt Gilling who said that prior to, I think he said this prior to the 04 season. He said something like, you know, if you, when you look back at a major league season, the thing you should look at is starting pitcher health. And if you often find that the team who got the most starts out of their top five starters is, is the team that's going to end up in the, in the postseason. And the 2004 Red Sox famously didn't have a single starting pitcher injury, right? Like they had the same five guys, I think, start every single game. Um, that is not going to be the case. In the it's already, Red Sox. I mean, it's already not. The it's already, every, and Schilling and is right. Going forward. Schilling is right, but it goes bigger than that. It's every sport. Yeah. The winner of the title almost always has abnormally <laughs> good health. Almost all the time. Yeah. Does that mean that what we're doing is completely pointless as fans of sports? No, we're because just, we we're, can judge the aesthetics. Thank you. Yes. This is why we need that. This is People know why what happened the in the game. That's not why they're listening to us. <clears throat> yeah yeah fair enough but you know, it is kind of depressing when you think about it that way but yeah, I do wonder I mean even we don't know what's going to happen we do know some pitchers are going to get injured we can hope We I think it's it's fair to expect the rotation to put up Red Sox starting pitchers to put up better numbers going forward than they have thus far if for no other reason than the fact that Corey Kluber is not in the rotation anymore but are we getting really excited over a team that four months from now we're just going to look back at and say, 
the starting pitching was in shambles all year. Of course they weren't going to go anywhere. I don't know. If I knew, I would tell you. <laughs> Some would say that's your job, but <laughs> to know the future? <laughs> to, to, to at least to at least uh provide an educated hypothesis about the future. I mean, I think that given the degree to which the pitching is going to steer the team in whatever direction it's going to go, it's going to look like a fait accompli no matter what. So I agree with you. Yeah. In the wide, fat middle of outcomes, yes, I agree with you. Yeah. That will... All right. Enough about pitching and enough about things that are depressing. Let's talk about things that are even more depressing, but on the hitting side. Uh, <laughs> I think I know where this is going. <laughs> How angry are you about the fact that and and hold hold your answer here because I got I got three different guys to talk about in the eleven games since I published an article that had the subheading the Tristan Casas breakout is here he has hit two twenty six three fourteen three fifty five with just one home run in the eleven games since I published. Um, or sorry, the 14 games since I published uh, a story with the headline, Masataka Yoshida has arrived. He has hit 268, 328, 357 with just one home run. And I didn't go back and listen to all our pods to find out when you started bragging about Jaron Duran. But since May 4th, when he was hitting 417, Jaron Duran has hit 196, 262, 304 with one home run in 16 games. I am a five. five. I'm not surprised at what has happened to Duran, and I thought that's exactly where you're going. He is one for his last 23. I just sorted by the last two weeks, and that was a single. No steals, no nothing, no uh, no walks. It's been bad, but this is this was always coming. It was I always see. coming. I will just briefly say, I just read those stats from May 4th. I, I, I do want to point out that if if you actually just looked at like the first 10 or 11 games of that stretch, he was still fine. Right. He obviously it's wasn't so, hitting 400, but he was like, his last one was like 270, 350, something like well, that. Well, I came on the week after I wrote the thing and said, look, he's even better. And then that's when yeah. it started. Yeah. It's really just been the last five games have been have been really bad. He's like one for his last 17 or something. Yeah, he doesn't time. have a hit in several games in a row. He's he has yeah. he, he's 0 for his last 12, 15, or sorry, 11, 15, 19, at least his last 19. His last hit was in the first game of the Padres series, and he's played every game. Yeah, yeah. Not not good. No, not, not, not good. But to some degree expected. Again, Cassis and Yoshida, there's another, you can see that they're still on learning curves as well. I'm not worried about Yoshida at all. I think he's shown me enough to say that he's an elite offensive player. This year, I might be worried about Cassis, but long-term, I'm not. That's why, so let's give it a five. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about two months of really, really, really poor production from Tristan Casas. Um, and, 
you know, I sort of, I sort of agree with you. I, I am still a believer long-term here, but it is concerning that, you know, with Duran, we can look at it and say, well, Adam Duvall is coming back soon. A lot of infielders are coming back soon who could potentially push Kike to center field. At first base, Costas is it. Like Justin Turner, Justin Turner's been playing a little bit more first over the past couple of weeks as Costas has been struggling, but he's not going to be an everyday first baseman. Bobby Bombs down in Worcester is certainly hitting bombs, but nobody wants Bobby Dahlbeck anymore. Um, there is no alternative to Costas. Like we're like we're just gonna have to ride or die with him. And if he doesn't turn it around so far, you know, soon things could get ugly in Tristan Costas' world. Yeah, I again I especially with his type of hitter, it does seem like it's taking them a while to adjust. You can look at guys like Spencer Torkelson, who's still, I mean, he's very slowly coming along. You can look at guys like uh, Jared Kelnick, who's not the same exact type of guy, but he was utterly terrible before he was able to do it. And I, I think that this all plays into And you mentioned our, Jared Kelnick, like Julio Rodriguez is utterly terrible now. Yeah. Like those two guys, those two guys have just traded places. Yeah. The, this all just plays into the fact that the Red Sox are really playing for next year, in in my opinion. And so I think that Cassis's underlying skill is there and he needs reps. And I agree. He's the only guy, but I think they've just decided the reps for him are worth it because of the ceiling. Yeah. And you can go get a, fielding first baseman in a trade, I'm sure. Or buy one from the A's minor league system if you need to. And, yeah, I mean, and there's also, like, you got to figure – I mean, Yuchang could probably play first if he starts hitting when he comes back. And Yuchang's a big dude. He could probably do right. it. Right. Yeah, Royal exactly. can do it if he starts hitting. Um, so, yeah, Adam Duvall maybe can play first. Probably not. <laughs> but you never know. But that is going to be – Oh, well, um, what, about, what about your Jaron Duran thing? He's an infielder. Jaren Duran to second. Well, all right. So no, no, no. Jaren Duran. I'm saying Jaren Duran to first. Jaren Duran to first. All right. Well, apparently, I, I except I, for why would you do that? He's one for his last 23. Yes, and also I I got to look this up to confirm. I'm pretty sure I read that Jaren Duran going back talking about Savant now is now in the 99th percentile among outfielder jumps. Which doesn't seem possible to me, based on where we were with him last year in the outfield. That's like, but again, like that, yeah, yeah. And I guess that this is a hundred percent attributable to just Jackie Bradley Jr. telling him to go practice again. <laughs> like, I love that. That's all it took. Hey, uh, why why don't you go pretend in the game? <laughs> go go do the thing you're not good at. Yeah. Over and over again. It was the major league game. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, so I don't know. I don't even remember what I did the first time. Right, so you, you were negative seven. You were pretty happy with the pitching staff. You're plus five. Pretty angry about these slumps. You're at a plus three overall. All right. Next one. Um, how angry are you about the fact that Rafael Devers has a 291 on base percentage now two months into the season? Do we need to worry about Rafael Devers? I'm neutral. I look at this like that year Poppy couldn't hit a home run to save his life. And then one day everything just switched. I 
I'm also part of the reason I say this is I am wary of saying anything that could be construed as he got the bag and now he sucks. Cause right. I don't believe that. I don't believe the players no, are no. wired like that. It's not, that just doesn't happen. I don't Why? believe that at all, but I, you know what I do? I don't want to be this guy either. This is a different guy. I'm about to be a different guy. And then we got the bag in the stocks. But on the night, you know, the, the night that he signed the extension, um, we all got on an emergency pod, a joyous, happy, uh, you were completely wasted emergency pod. And I did, in order to play devil's advocate, I just said, hey, is anyone all concerned about the fact that this past August, Rafael Devers was legitimately one of the worst hitters in Major League Baseball? And we don't really know why. Like there was some, there was like a little bit of a parking hamstring issue that he had, but he kept insisting that had nothing to do with it. And Alex Cora was insisting that had nothing to do with it. And and the, the streak was so bad for so long that I tend to believe that. Is it is it possible that Rafael Devers is still so young and we still really kind of don't know who he is yet? This time he's 26. This is pretty much... Who he is, I will note that his on base percentage is 290, but his slugging is 513. Yeah, oh, I mean, he's he's hitting the spread (laughs) is incredible. Yeah, got the highest isolated power of his career. And if the average in OBP normalize, I would imagine this is going to look pretty good because it's also not like he has some sort of crazy double home run split where you can often look at that and say, well, if you're heavy on one, you're probably going to even it out a little bit going forward. No, he's got 12 yeah. doubles, 13 homers. No, you're right. But when you talk, when you also, actually, when you... you've actually made me encouraged about Rafael Devers, which is <laughs> given what you were trying to do. Astounding. And, I'm, and I give you credit. It's incredible. So are you going to bump your number up from zero no, I'm keeping, or I'm down keeping, from zero? I'm keeping, I'm keeping my number at zero. <laughs> I mean, look, you say you say when the number is normalized, and you're probably right that they will. But I do think there is, like, if you look at – He has at, the like, lowest BABIP of his career by far. Yes. Okay. So that that is something that will normalize. But something that won't necessarily normalize, and I wrote about this – uh, in a piece I did a couple of weeks ago, just looking at regression and, and which Red Sox hitters might be prone to some either positive or negative regression. Devers does go through periods where he just swings at everything and then has to, and then he tries to adjust and start controlling the strike zone a little bit more. And then he goes back and swings at everything. And the first half of last year was one of those periods where he adjusted the strike zone when, and he was one of the five best hitters in baseball in the first half last year. And he's kind of gone the other way again this year. And that is a concern long term. If, if he never, we've all been assuming he's so young, he's such an uber talented hitter that he'll eventually figure out a, a, you know, some semblance of control over the strike zone. If he doesn't figure that out, are we, we could be, in, look, I don't want to say this, we could be in a position three or so years from now where all of a sudden, you know, he starts to hit the physical decline a little bit, his bat slows down. And if he doesn't make up for that with a better approach to the plate, we could be worried. I don't want to say no. I don't know. I'm on this website called baseball savant. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah. And he's got some 
tasty numbers on here, baby. How many good at bats has he had? Is, does it have it on there? No, it doesn't. That's of my course. whole point. Was that he has ninety four percent. 94th percentile average exit velocity, 97% maximum exit velocity, 93% mm -hmm. hard hit, 93% slugging. And then, yeah, Ks and Wargs are not so great. Yeah, what's chase, chase, rate? Rate. chase rate is pretty bad. Chase rate is pretty, pretty. Chase rate is right, <laughs> hanging right around his sprint speed, which is not what you want to see when you run oh, as fast no. or uh, lack thereof as, as fast as he Devers. does. All right, what is it? What is the chase rate? What, what percentage? 13. Are we looking at here? 13. Oh, sprint speed 12. Oof. He just beats it. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm a he's just not walking. I mean, he's not walking as much. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. And it, he's not walking as much, and his BABIP is terrible. I called it BABIP and BABIP. I don't care. It's say You know what yeah. I'm talking about. I, I hate I hate both of those. I just say batting average and balls in play because I think they both sound really dumb. They're just it's just a dumb sound to me. This is like one that needs the needs the war glow up. Yes, yes, it does. We need to go with something different. Um, all right, moving on. We're gonna move away from the major league team for a second here. How angry are you about the fact that ESPN came out with a new top fifty prospects list today? Have you seen, first of all, have you seen this list yet? No. Okay. So I'm gonna make it a very quick guessing game. Two Boston Red Sox prospects made the top 50. One of them was number three. You know who that is. My mayor. Marcelo Meyer. You want to take a guess at who the second Red Sox prospect was to make this top 50 list? I mean, no, it's not. But tell me it's Big Nico. <laughs> it's not Big Nico. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm it's so not sad. that exciting. I'm so sad. I the fact the fact that I'm asking you this tells means, you yes. Can yeah, I? You know what? Like I'm a... gonna allow myself to look up the Red Sox. I'm not gonna look it up. I'm not gonna look up the yeah. list. I'm gonna okay. look at the okay. list of prospects and then see if yeah. I can get. Go go to Sox prospects. No, look at their first. Sorry, oh, Ian. Not gonna... Sorry, Ian no. Kundal, not happening. <laughs> okay. Is well, it... what source are you using then? Uh just just the MLB pipeline top. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, from this, it would be Miguel Blythe. Right. That's who, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, people were saying, is Blythe a better prospect than Meyer? We could be having that conversation soon. I do, I do think that. So I was shocked that not only is it not him, he's not on the list at all. Oh, it's not him. It's not him. It's he's, not not other, he's not the other name. Is it Mikey Romero? It's not Rafael. It's not Mikey Romero. Nick York. This is not Nick York. Oh my gosh. Is it I know Edinson Paulino? Nope. Roman Anthony. Roman Anthony. Roman, I've never heard of Anthony. Roman Anthony until this very moment. So Roman Anthony was la drafted last year. Okay, so he has barely played. He played, he spent like 20 games in the complex league after the draft and then 20 games with Salem. He has barely played. He's a teenager. They drafted him out of high school. And his stat line this year, Brian, is 243, 385 on base, 330 slugging with one home run. And ESPN put him on their top 50 list, and a lot of scouts are saying he belongs there. Because apparently, well, there's two things. One, you notice in that stat line, I told you he's hitting 243, but his on base percentage is 385. Is that good? 
It's damn good. So he has an incredibly, and he's 19 years old out of high school, incredibly advanced approach at the plate. But here's the thing that, here's the real reason. His average, I don't know, actually, I I, I guess it's probably Matt. His max exit velocity right now is 108 miles per hour, which is above league average, not in the South Atlantic League, but in Major League Baseball. The scouts are saying right now that he has Major League quality raw power as a 19-year-old. And that is why he has been put, he was number 49, 48 or 49 on the list. Roman Anthony, a guy nobody has been talking about in the Red Sox prospect system, and a guy whose stats don't back it up, although, you know, an- annoying online prospect people, the favorite the thing, their favorite phrase they always use is don't scout the, the box score as if we have anything else to scout. I, I get annoyed at online prospect people a little bit. Well, it's just can, like, I, can, I, can, I, can I mention something? Whenever sure, we talk ahead. about a prospect I haven't heard of, especially in the Red Sox system, I go to – my dynasty baseball league page where Ian Cundall, who's run Sox prospects or one of the people is in it as is Keaton DeRocher. I looked up Roman Anthony. Guess who has Roman Anthony on that, in that league, Ian Cundall. And then I looked up Edinson Paulino. Guess who has Edinson Paulino in that league? Keaton DeRocher. <laughs> Keaton DeRocher. These guys are always ahead of the game and they're always ahead of the game. They're always ahead of the game. That's and yeah. That's wild. It's that is wild. So yes. So now all of a sudden, this guy. Well, I thought um, Roman was was down after last week's succession, but he's back oh, on top now. Topical, hey. topical, topical, Joe. Topical. Well done. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So there you go. How uh, how angry are you about the fact that all of a sudden the rock the Sox may have a completely out of nowhere elite prospect? Uh, negative ten. Negative 10. There we go. You're you're um, really serving these up for me, uh, even I, though the Sox are on a four-game losing streak. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You are happier than I thought you'd be. Um, by the way, other interesting thing about Roman Anthony, uh, I told you he just finished high school, graduated from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, Parkland, Florida. Uh, as I far as I can tell. I would say I had never heard of it. What I'd like to say is I wish I had never heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as I can tell, I think he probably wasn't a student. I think he, I think he would have been in eighth grade um, yeah. when the shooting happened. So I don't think he's yeah. David Hogg there. just graduated college this year. Did he? Yeah. And yeah. well, he yeah. So that makes sense. Um, Anthony Rizzo went there too as well. They're actually apparently like a giant baseball. Jesus Lazardo, they're giant baseball yeah. powerhouse. Florida schools. That's like the, one of those yeah. high schools in Florida or California that are just. Right, and they that probably is. have. I mean, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So there you go. Roman Anthony, name to keep an eye on. Did not think we were going to get into Roman Anthony on this. <laughs> Nor did I. Nor did a lot of people. Um, so something to keep an eye on. There you go. All right. Um, okay. Uh, two more. How angry are you about the fact that I, as I was preparing for this podcast last night, wrote this? that Adam Duvall is scheduled to come off the IL on June 9th, and that one of two guys who have kind of become fan favorites, Raymond Tapia or Rob Refsnyder, is almost certainly going to be DFA as a result. And how angry are you about the fact that I wrote that? And then, as I was catching up on the Monsters of Sox podcast network, Pottom Lansdowne literally discussed Raymond Tapia versus Rob Refsnyder for like 15 minutes this morning. Rendering any further discussion by us kind of pointless. 
I'm more mad that you jinxed Adam Duvall by giving him a firm return date. I'll believe it. Well, that's what he's saying. He's that's that's June 9th. That's the first game the Sox play against the Yankees. That's the day he's eligible to come off. The Red Sox have not said that's happening, but he said that's what he's shooting for. Fine, you still get a 10. I'm I'm furious. <laughs> furious. I don't care about redoing pot on lands. See, we do it much shorter, which is a funny thing to say because we don't our podcasts are not shorter, but we're gonna breeze through this topic. Yeah. They have to do, oh, like, Tanner Houck is Taylor Swift and make an awesome graphic. It'd be really funny about it. <laughs> oh, we get it, guys. Yeah, we're not doing that. Uh, they did come to – I was going to look into this. I, 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 I had written down some – As long as they don't do stats, Coldplay stuff, that's fine. They do all the time. I know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so, yeah, Ref Snyder, Tapia, get ready to say goodbye to one of them because um, I don't think – I don't think they're both going to survive – the Duval return. Neither one of them has options. They can't go back to Worcester. Um, Maybe interesting to see who it is. Ref Snyder, of course. Ref Snyder is an all-star hitter against left-handed pitchers, uh, which is why he's pretty much every time he plays for the Red Sox, which is only against lefties, he's hitting either third or leadoff, as he did last night. Um, and his stat line against lefties so far this year is 354, 456, 479. <laughs> Um, my inclination is that they're going to stick with Ref Snyder for pretty much that reason alone, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it's Duvall is right-handed as well. Copy it for my speed off the bench, so it'll be interesting to see. Which I, I don't. Did you have you grown attached to Rymel Tapia at all? A lot of people. No, have. I'm fond. I'm fond of him, but I, I Durant does Duran have options? I'm just asking. Duran has options. He sure does. That, wouldn't that be something if that ends up being like if he doesn't pull out of this tailspin? If he has a pull out of this tailspin, it is going to be Durant. Yeah, he's going to, that's, he's going to that's go back thing. to Worcester in a while, which is going to be kind of shocking. True. Yeah, that's but going to it, be kind of look, it's possible that if you look at this from the very uh, hundred hundred mile view here, well, you wouldn't be able to see anything. But if you did, it'd be like he's back. He had an incredible hot streak, and then on this West Coast trip, it just sort of ran out of gas. So I think yeah. a We'll learn a lot by what happens when they get back. Yeah, I think so too. All right, last one. How angry are you about the fact that uh, you and I have been doing this podcast since September? My sister has only listened to this podcast. Your brother's been on this podcast. My sister has only listened to this podcast for the first time today. And only because I first sent her the Pot on Lansdowne episode where they draft New England local business TV and radio jingle, which is an incredible. I mean, it, it is. And I had to send my sister. My sister does not really follow baseball at all, so I'm not terribly surprised she's not clued into it. She does love '90s New England nostalgia, so I had to send her that. Um, and then she finally, like, I guess she accidentally, after that episode ended, started listening to one of ours, and she was like, she she said it was better than she thought it. Would be. <laughs> so how angry are you about that? Uh, I am not angry at your sister. Let let's replace it. Remember how I said I had a job interview? The guy hasn't sent the Zoom, and I bet it's not going to happen. So let's just say I'm ten angry it. about that. Ugh. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. That's fine. It's not that brings would, you. Would not be the end of the world. 
That brings you at a plus 13 score this week. That's more, that's, that's more like it for this week. Yeah. You are. That that passes the smell test. Ah, sorry about that. All right. Well, let's move on then from things that uh, will make you less angry and talk about this weekend. The Red Sox play the Arizona Diamondbacks this weekend. Tonight, it is Chris Sale on the bump versus Brandon Fat. I think is his last name. P-F-A-A-D-T. Elite, elite baseball name. <laughs> baseball name. Tomorrow night, Garrett Whitlock versus Merrill Kelly. Team USA ace Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly has Sunday, been balling this year. He has he has been balling, and we need to talk about him in a second. Uh, so let's do it. So it's Sunday, Tanner Houck versus Tommy Henry. Merrill Kelly has been balling because I went into this. The Diamondbacks have been, in my opinion, we, we talked about it last week, how the Padres are the coolest team in baseball. Not only the coolest team in baseball right now, but possibly since the early 90s Mariners. The Diamondbacks have been, in my opinion, the most anonymous team in baseball for like the last five years. I've never cared anything about the Diamondbacks at all whatsoever. Paul Goldschmidt was a great player. Paul Goldschmidt is the most boring kind of great I was going to say, it's, it's like, <laughs> like, who cares? I, I've never, ever wanted to watch Paul Goldschmidt play. Zach Greinke, not a boring player, but they got him at the most boring point of his career. Madison Bumgarner, not a boring player, but as soon as he went to the Diamondbacks, just started sucking. Not a likable player either. Not a likable player either, um, but not boring. But the Diamondbacks right now are 29 and 21. They have won nine out of their last 12 games. Zach Gallen, of course, is an ace of aces. The Red Sox thankfully miss him this week, but Merrill Kelly has stepped up to provide to be a really good number two. Um, Brandon Fat is a, at least he's not pitched well this year, but he's I guess a promising prospect. And you look at their team. Um, Corbin Carroll is doing what everyone hoped and expected out of Corbin Carroll, so that's good. Cattell Marte is he's kind of swung back and forth his whole career. He's swung around to the good side, and they're being led by a 23 year old shortstop named Geraldo Perdomo. Who? Yeah. Oh yeah, um, last I'm very year, familiar with 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 Geraldo there. Is, oh, it is Geraldo, I think it's guy. Geraldo, yeah. It's yeah, it's definitely Geraldo. Last year in 2002, I look, I was looking up his numbers and I saw, oh, last year he hit 195. I'm like, well, he must have been a part-time player. Nope, he hit 190. They gave him 500 at bats last year of him hitting 195, and it has paid off. This year he is by far their best player. He's hitting 315, 413, 519 with four homers. He has an OPS of 156, OPS plus of 156. And he's playing shortstop. Um, so, I mean, yeah, these, this team seems kind of legitimate and the Sox have favorable pitching matchups this weekend, but I don't know. We'll see. He, I mean, Perdomo's batting average on balls in play is 370. I mean, he's always been, he's going to be a high OBP guy that split. He's got like a hundred point split between his averages OBP. That's always going to be his game right there. Mm-hmm. The power, I don't know how much the power is going to stick around. He's, yeah, he's a three, four, he's a three, four, he's a three, four, five guy right now. You know, that's right. That's a tall order to keep up. But I mean, I think that Carroll is the Diamondbacks. He is yes. the player of the present and the the player of the future. And again, it doesn't. Not just Red Sox. 
Guess who's had Corbin Carroll in that dynasty league since the moment came into the league? Ian Cundell of Sox Prospects. Because he knows all the prospects. Corbin Carroll is currently among, is this just hitters or is this pitchers too? Among hitters, he is top 25 in war and even higher in WRC+. Oh, he's, he's, his WRC plus is the same as uh, Shohei Otani and Cedric Mullins. Oh, so that's good. That's pretty good. Yeah. And he's got 14 steals. He's, he's, he's the real deal. Yeah. It will be, it's, it's weird to have an interesting team like this for the Diamondbacks because the only previous Diamondbacks team <laughs> worth paying attention to was a bunch of old guys, you know, it, right. I mean, Complete they option. did the, yeah. they, they did the, one of the greatest public services ever done oh, God, in ending the Yankees world series run, but that was a bunch of old guys. This is the first really young, exciting diamondbacks team ever. Not that Merrill Kelly's young, but Merrill Kelly's a great story, you know? Yeah, I think you might be right. I Like, I can't. <laughs> They've only been relevant once. They weren't young at all. They were still brand new. Mark Grace led off the bottom of the ninth. <laughs> Mark Grace. His last at bat ever. Tony Womack. Tony Womack, uh, you piece of shit. Sorry, that was, that was The Rock. Schilling and Johnson, I guess they weren't terribly old at that point. They were early 30s. Johnson's only in his early 30s? Yeah, I guess that's true. He had all the Yankees and the Astros. Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Luis Gonzalez, you know. Luis Gonzalez. He's got to be. Is he Mr. Diamondback? He is, right? I think we talked about the way that Wander Franco was. I guess maybe it's Goldschmidt now. No, because he, I, I think it's going to end up being Corbin Carroll pretty definitively. You would hope. So. I think Mr. Diamondback now is probably Randy Johnson, frankly. He is their all time leader in war, but maybe this is just our age, but like I will always still associate Johnson with the Mariners. See, I, I don't. That's, that's weird. I don't, the same way I don't associate A Rod with the, I know. Johnson played longer, but for the Mariners. Yeah, yeah I think I think no, of him I'll... the same way I think of Schilling as a Red Sox, even though he had a long career before he was on the Red Sox. Yeah. I think I mentioned this before. Um, I don't have the video editing skills to do this, but anyone out there, I'm, I'm going to give you a free, free multi-million dollar idea. Somebody go take four days in October, four nights in October, whatever it's called, and edit it so that Kurt Schilling's face is instead like always appears as I, I don't know, pick whoever you want. Pick uh, like a character from McDonald's, pick a Simpsons character, just edit his face out of four nights in October and put it on YouTube and just let the fame and plaudits and attention come to you. And you'd be doing this all. Oh man, we gotta take the bad with the good. I yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't because for as much as shilling sucks, it's really just a 
shit ton of talking. It's not like he, yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't done things where it's like, let's say there was a Patriots tight end who ended up being a murderer, just hypothetically. That's one you really want to have back. <laughs> That's when you yeah. see the highlights, you're just like, oh, no. I don't feel that way yeah. about trying. I just think, man, that sucks. So there was, by the way, his name was Aaron Hernandez. Yeah, yeah, there you go. All right, do you have a prediction for this weekend? Since we just talked about the Diamondbacks are the best team in baseball. I'm going to go... Two wins for the Sox. Two wins for the Sox. I will say this. So Brandon Fett, who is pitching tonight, um, not been good this year. He His last start, he gave up four home runs in 4.2 innings against the Rangers. So if the Red Sox are looking to bust out of a slump, tonight would be the night to do it. Um, Merrill Kelly in game two has only given up two home runs in his last six starts. So he could play stopper. No, he's due. Henry. He's due. He's due to get that's, Yeah, maybe he's due. There you go. Uh, yeah, so we'll see how the series goes. I will say... Dale Whitlock, Hauk. I'll say the Sox take two or three as well. Um, and I'm going to say they come in the... I think I mean Sales just cooking right now. He's just cooking, so I got to say they get one tonight. I'll say and I'll say how build some momentum. I, th- I think they lose the middle game to Merrill Kelly. I think I yeah. agree with that. I think I agree with that. All right, you got any recommendations for this week, Dan? I do have a recommendation. I'm going to recommend a book, and I'm kind of recommending this for you specifically. I'll get into it. Okay. Um, so I have pretty much for the last twenty years. Uh, almost every time I stepped into a bookstore, I looked at a, a Chuck Palahniuk book and didn't read it because I kind of thought I knew what Chuck Palahniuk, the guy most famous for writing Fight Club. That's one of the reasons why I never picked it up. If you, you know, if, if you already think you know an author's most famous book, it's like, well, where am I going to start? I finally picked one up, a book called Diary. It's not new. It's 20 years old, um, but I picked it up at a bookstore. And it's outstanding. Uh, and the reason why I think it, I wanted to recommend it to you specifically is because it takes place on a fictionalized kind of uh, old money New England island. And the gist of it, it's uh, it's not Martha's Vineyard. It's probably more like Maine or something like that. It's much smaller. It's probably more Nantucket. If it's an old money island that, I mean, Martha's Vineyard has old money, but that's like Nantucket's whole thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, However, and, maybe maybe related to that because they all know each other. Unlike on Martha's Vineyard, this is where Nantucket really gets us good. Not gonna lie, all beaches are public on Nantucket. That's not the case in the vineyard. Not the case. No, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, that's actually apparent. I didn't, that's like not the case anywhere else outside of New England. I didn't realize like New England is pretty much the only place where beaches are ever private. <laughs> Like on the West Coast, the West Coast is no such thing as a private beach. Well, if you walk, I believe it's six feet in the water. I believe. Well, it's not even that. It's the water line. I know that for a fact. It's the water line. So if you, yeah, you can stay, if you stay below the water line, so like wherever 
the seaweed is like you're you're in public land um but anyway so the book the gist of the book is that it's it's written in the form of a diary uh it's a woman who lives on the island her husband has just tried and failed to commit suicide that's so i knew where that was going (laughs) he's tried and failed to commit suicide he's in a coma and she's she's writing like a coma diary which is to be read by him when he wakes up and it's kind of you know it's a failed marriage it's kind of a failed depressing life and if you think that what just makes sounds you th- like what makes you think that this would appeal to me well it's just the island aspect <laughs> that's all it was the island did you aspect. really think this one but, through dan <laughs> i guess i didn't well okay fair enough all right but if you think it's just a depressive depressing like sort of traditional literary fiction thing about a marriage it kind of is that but it's actually a it, uh, also a horror story believe it or not oh, and i won't get into how it's a horror story because that's kind of uh you know that that's that's kind of part of the mystery of, of reading it but um so yeah so there you go diary chuck Palahniuk. good luck well that would require me to stop playing zelda so we'll we'll shelve that <laughs> one for now my recommendation is a very, very popular podcast. It's ten time, It's 100 times more popular than this, maybe 1,000 times more popular. But I just started listening to it, and I love it. Despite the fact that Bill Simmons, I have a mixed uh, opinions on, the Rewatchables podcast where they just talk about movies that yeah. you've Your seen. Your recommendation is literally one of the like five most popular podcasts in yeah, the world. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not the... But uh, I, to, to, to narrow it specifically, I listen to a lot of these having not seen the movies in years, and I don't really, most of the time, need to go back and watch the movie. But I'm listening to his two-part podcast that's like four hours at the very least between the two parts, and I think it's longer, on Boogie Nights. And that is the one that got me to be like, you know what? I got to go watch Boogie Nights again. So maybe I'm recommending Boogie Nights in concert with the podcast. I've never actually seen that movie. Um, I do listen to the podcast pretty much. If, if I've seen the movie, I, I will listen to the podcast. I do want to say now that I have a podcast platform myself, something has been bothering me for years. Um, one of the first rewatchables I ever listened to was about Inglorious Bastards. And of course, there are a couple of things there in Glorious Bastards. There's a character, the Bear Jew, played by Eli Roth, Newton, Massachusetts native, um, who, it, you know, obviously it's a hilarious, over exaggerated Boston character who kills Nazis with the bat and worships Ted Williams. They talk about this movie, they talk about his character, they talk about Ted Williams. And as you know, the Rewatchables has a segment called Nitpicks or Pick and Nits, where they talk about little dumb things in the movie. And I will never forgive Bill Simmons for not bringing this up, or even um, Mallory Rubin, I think, was on this pod as well. Mallory Rubin really knows her baseball. I'm upset at her for bringing this up too, so I'm going to bring it up now. In the famous Bear Juice scene, where Eli Roth beats the shit out of a Nazi and pretends he's Ted Williams, he says, Teddy ball game puts it over the monster onto Lansdowne Street. Ted Williams is one of the most famous left-handed pole hitters of all time. He hit like less than five home runs over the monster onto Lansdowne Street. There's no way that that's what that character would say. He would say Ted Williams puts one in the bullpen 
which, by the way, the right field bullpens in Fenway were built for Ted Williams. They specifically built them after his rookie season because they wanted him to hit more home runs. So that's what Eli Roth, Eli Roth is from Newton, Massachusetts. He should know that. Bill Simmons wrote a book about the Red Sox. He should know that. Allie Rubin knows a shit ton about baseball. She should know that. None of them brought it up on the pod. So right now I'm nitpicking the nitpicking segment of the rewatchables. Well, you're overruled. Who cares? And then... Uh, How does that not bother you? It doesn't. Just to tie a bow on the entire thing and send us out on a happy note, even because I just said something good about Nantucket. Christoph Waltz in that movie. At the very end of the movie, they ask what he would want. And do you know where he says he would like to abscond to, to get away from all this in America? Does he, does he say the vineyard? Okay. He says Nantucket. Oh, he says Nantucket. Oh, so so there, happy, you so there you go. go. This yes. has been the Monsters of Socks podcast. Brian has a job interview in two minutes. Next week, I may even tell you how it went. Dan, thanks. Hopefully, the Red Sox win a game or two. All right. Good luck. All right. Thank you.